Oh, listener, do I have a story for you today. I've always been obsessed with history and genealogy, and looking down through some family notes, I noticed something a little off about my great-great-grandfather. He was murdered in the bustling town of Westonville, West Virginia in 1900. He was on his 10th or so kid, and his mental status began to change. With that many kids, whose wouldn't? I was going to delve in deeper, but there was a very eerie sound that happened in my bedroom of my apartment, and I knew somehow deep in my heart that Timmy was up to no good. I walked into the room and his cage was empty, the lock broken by chewing on the bars and all the right places. Timmy was on a never-ending loop of working his way out to kill me, and he was now out. His next step? My death. I looked around the room, hoping to spot him, but he wasn't in sight. I could do the old look-under-the-bed trope from horror movies, but I enjoy life more than death, so that option was out of the picture. I decided to go back into the living room and head into the kitchen. And in the kitchen, I heard a very loud bang. It sounded like a drawer falling out of place onto the floor. In my head, I now realized he was in the kitchen, and I was hoping he hadn't obtained some sort of weapon. I slowly walked into the kitchen, being very careful, checking every place I could, scanning everything with my eyes. I took a few more steps into the kitchen, heard a little squeaky laugh, and then a sharp pain on the top of my foot. I looked down, and Timmy had jabbed a fork into the top of my foot, and was looking directly up at me, squeaking his little ass off. I grabbed him in my hand and started to limp over to the table. He bit me, and I instinctively tossed him against the wall, where he actually hit. He didn't go through it. He hit the wall as hard as he could, and appeared to be out cold. He was a ghost, but trapped in his own power, and still believing that objects are there. That's why he bit through the bars in the cage. Little shit still thinks he's alive. I felt bad for the little guy, but looking back down at my foot, realized he was going to try and kill me. He needed a new cage, but I also needed something to keep him locked up in until I could acquire a new one. I looked around the room, and with a little smirk on my face, picked up the unconscious ghost gerbil, tossed him into the freezer, part of my refrigerator, and shut the door. In the storage unit I had outside my apartment, I grabbed a length of chain I had attached to my dog Lucky before he broke loose and ran away, and a lock that I used at the local gym so no one could steal my stuff out of it. Again, I wrapped the chain around the freezer door, put the lock in place, and snapped it shut. I limped back over to my table and went back to my reading. Westonville, West Virginia was about a five-hour drive from my apartment. I decided to browse the internet for information. In West Virginia, the internet is a never-reliable network of uncertainty. You know, a high-cost, low-speeds kind of deal. When entering in Westonville, West Virginia in the search bar, I got the normal shtick, and then something about the Westonville Haunted Asylum. Clicking on the link, I started filling up on information about H.G. Blackwell, a very well-known proprietor in the Westonville society, and also a very sick man. He was born and raised in the state of Alabama, where he went to school to become a doctor of medicine. He decided to travel and see the world and made his way through Georgia, South and North Carolina, Virginia, and then ended up in good old West Virginia. 
he was on the run from those states for the suspicious deaths of his patients. He heard of the big little town of Westonville, West Virginia, and how it was becoming way too big and more like a city than a town. The population was booming, and he wanted to be right in the middle of it. He also heard talks of an asylum that had been built before the Civil War, and Doring was used as a hospital for wounded soldiers to be cared for, and within the last 23 years, was converted to the Westonville Hospital for the Insane. It had become one of the leading insane asylums for modern medicine in West Virginia. He traveled to Westonville where he was welcomed with open arms, and for a few years he practiced normal medicine, had fallen in love, and him and his wife were about to welcome their first child. Now, the stories, or rumors, state that Dr. Blackwell's wife, on one of her visits to the asylum, was attacked by a patient suffering from a very severe case of schizophrenia, and was murdered in the hallway, dragged into the doctor's office, and left there. Dr. Blackwell found his wife's lifeless body, and the baby also died in the attack. They say the doctor was never the same after that and started experimenting on his patients. His own way of avenging his dead wife. Her ghost is one of the many that are supposed to be still walking the halls of the asylum to this day. This story, and kind of haunting, was right up my alley, and I decided to hit the road once again. The asylum now labeled the Westonville Lunatic Asylum had become a huge tourist attraction. Since renewing the look of the old place, even more hauntings and sightings have been reported. Approaching this massive place gave me goosebumps, and my stomach felt very upset. I walked through the giant front doors and into what used to be the main lobby. Several rooms were off to the side, and numerous corridors jolting off to different parts of the asylum, just everywhere. This four-story behemoth wasn't going to be easy to navigate. The story in the newspaper gave a room number for the doctor, but that changed. There were pamphlets showing locations of the hauntings. Dr. H.G. Blackwell's room was on the third floor. That's where I needed to be. Approaching a stairwell to head up a few floors, I could see something walking down the hall to my right. In grand display, this feature marched down the hall and yelled, CHARGE! It was coming at me, full speed, and I wasn't sure what was about to happen. It passed through me. Several others appeared in front of it, and I realized a battle was happening. Soldiers fighting, cannons blasting, and bodies everywhere. They were all dressed in Civil War era attire, and someone yelled, General Washbath, they've overpowered us, sir. His reply, you will fight. Fight until you die. Die for honor and glory. An explosion happened, and it all disappeared. This is going to be an absolute nightmare. I was intrigued by the layout of the hospital, and before moving up a floor, walked down the hallway. I could hear crying and screaming. Making a turn in the hallway, something stood there, staring at me. Motionless, but making sounds. I didn't know if I should run or stay. I asked, do you need help? Nothing. Silence. It turned and walked away crying. I followed and at the entrance to one of the rooms, it was grabbed and silenced. I honestly should have walked away, but you know me in times like this. What the hell? You only die once, right? I slowly approached the cell, and as I did, I could hear a chewing sound, and silent 
whimpers. I looked inside, and the patient in the hall was being choked, while at the same time being snagged on. I had a few seconds to see the flesh being torn from the one ghost's body, and then no more whimpering. The specter that was eating the other turned and yelled, GET THE FUCK OUT! I was in the air, and my back crashed to a wall behind me. I was up and back down the hall in no time. One foot after the other, I climbed the stairs to the second floor to look around. This floor was different, almost happy and childlike. I could see what looked like ducks on the wall and bright colors popping through. Took a few steps, the floor made a creaking sound, and the ghost activated. I could hear little kids laughing, babies crying in the distance, and something that sounded like a kickball bouncing against the wall. It was dark, incredibly dark, and I could barely see my hand in front of my face. I could hear something faint in the distance, which seemed to get louder as it got closer. It was the kickball bouncing past me. I turned to watch it bounce and heard in a soft voice, a childlike voice, can you help me? Please help me. <laughs> Very concerned about what was behind me, I turned slowly and saw the shadow of a little boy run into the darkness. I, I knew this was a ghost. I, I knew it, but I had to make sure. I followed the shadow which escaped into a giant open room with cabinets and toy boxes. This was definitely the child's wing of the hospital. I saw the little boy in the corner. I called to him softly, letting him know that I was there to help. He walked out of the shadows. His skin was covered in abrasions, like he was cut numerous times, and his face was an ashy color. I asked him his name, and he stated Jimmy. His name was Jimmy. I asked him what was wrong, and he said that he was looking for his parents. He told me they came to see him one day and for a visit and they never returned. I told him to follow me and I would keep him safe and help him find his parents. And he disappeared. The kids on the second floor went from laughing to crying. It was loud. Deafening. I yelled out to see what was happening. The ghost of a little girl came into the room and shouted, He's coming! The bad man is coming! I asked her who was coming and she started crying harder and said, he's a doctor, a mean doctor. I was about to meet Dr. Blackwell for the first time, but not for the last that night. I hid in the room the best I could. I could hear him talking to the kids in the hallway. He asked, why are you crying, my dear? She didn't reply. He asked the nurse to take her back to her room. He walked down the hall, past the room and yelled down the hall, we have a visitor, everyone. Someone who shouldn't be here with us. A living outsider. How did he know I was here? Could he sense my presence? And if he could, did he know where I was at? The room activated. The walls went from broken to destroyed to clean and colorful. The toys were shiny and new looking. The ducks on the wall were yellow and the blue wallpaper looked like it was just placed there. The room went from pitch black to brightly lit in no time. Dr. Blackwell called out, All visitors must check in with the nurse at the front door. Be alive or dead. You should not be here, Divine Visionary. You will not help these children, and you will not find the truth. I will destroy you before that happens. How did he know I could see things? Since the 
What kind of specter was this doctor? I was hiding behind a counter that completely disappeared. I slowly walked away and Dr. Blackwell informed me that I was heading the wrong way. He knew my every move. He called me by name. How did he know my name? He walked slowly toward me and as he approached closer, he disappeared, almost like a cloud of smoke. My stomach started turning. My head felt out of place. Then suddenly, I was in a different room. A different place. I was back at Tim's Manor. And the lady in black was calling out my name. She let me know that I would never truly be rid of her. And that this place would leave a scar. Not a visible scar, but one on my soul that would never heal. I blinked my eyes. And I was suddenly on an operating table. Dr. Blackwell was standing over me telling me that it only hurt for a second and asking the nurse for a scalpel. The nurse was the lady in black. She had somehow been here, worked here. She, she was his right-hand nurse the whole time. She was younger. She looked to be in her teenage years. Uh, how's that even possible? The doctor let me know that he was going to remove my special abilities and then my internal organs. <laughs> As he started to cut my skin and I began to bleed and scream in pain, a bouncing ball hit the ceiling and loud, ear-piercing screams filled the operating room. Something had entered the room. It was coming right for the table. Just like that, I was back in the kids' room of the asylum, with blood running down my chest. What had happened? Little Jimmy, who I was protecting, and the other kids had just saved my life. I had two entities who were incredibly powerful and both wanted me dead. I ran from the children's wing with the ghost kids and made my way to the stairs and up to the third floor. When I walked out of the stairwell, the kids suddenly disappeared and I was pushed through a wall into a room that looked like an old waiting room for patients. And crashing through the wall, a piece of wood rammed into my right side struck through my back and out the front of my stomach. The lady in black had once again put me through a wall and injured me, but this time she was pissed about our last encounter and pulled the piece of wood out of my body and into the other side of my stomach from the front and out the back using their powers. I was bleeding uncontrollably and was starting to get weak. She lifted me up in the air and started stitching the holes and cuddle my chest with a rusty needle and as she did this she laughed in enjoyment. She let me know that I wasn't allowed to die yet and that my pain and punishment had only just begun. Mr. Jacob's warning was about the lady in black and how she was going to do whatever she needed to rid me of my mortal coffin. I'll continue the story soon listeners. But next time we'll be opening up our mailbag and we'll be reading a story from a fan named Crystal Carter. Just remember, a normal person will always save themselves in the midst of disaster. But it takes a very brave person to save others, even if it means their life is forfeit. Until next time, as my wounds heal, I'll keep in my thoughts. <laughs>